0: Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Alan Winker, backpack enthusiast and collector. We discuss his love of packs why he has over 50 vintage backpacks in the collection and what makes them so timeless well welcome back everyone this is chase anderson continuing our history of gear series and today i've I've got joining me alan wanker um how do you want to be introduced what your title i just know you as the foremost bag backpack collector out there but i don't know what you want to call yourself
1: i uh, you know i'm just a guy with a little bit of ocd when it comes to certain topics and and uh collecting bags is one of them
0: yeah well i wanted to get into that a little bit today, because as far as I know I, I just you 're the guy when it comes to having the bag collection uh, i haven 't heard of anyone else who 's got anything like it. maybe you know, know of somebody, but um, wanted to talk to you a little bit today and uh, just get your insights on bags and what you love about them and and maybe we can dive in um, a little deeper, um, but maybe share a little bit about your background uh, first of all and and maybe your first exposure to the outdoors, um, to the outdoor industry, how'd you, how'd you, you know, develop a love for the outdoor industry and outdoors? Yeah.
1: So those was basically would go back to, uh, you know, boy Scouts growing up, um, you know, going camping with, uh, uh, you know, my scout troop. Um, and you know, at that point in time, so this would have been the, uh, mid seventies, you know, you have generally low-budget crappy gear. Um, and I, I got introduced to bigger and better gear in, in kind of an unusual way. Um, when, my, uh, when I was in probably junior high, uh, my sister was dating, who's several years older than me, was uh, dating a guy, and it turned out his dad had a subscription to Backpacker magazine and um these were the the old issues where they were numbered you know they they'd go one two three four and there'd be the big number in the corner um and you know he'd pick her up on a date and bring me several issues and i'd, I'd literally just read them cover to cover you know it was uh, insight into a world that that didn't exist in small town central minnesota um and so there would be, you know, gear reviews, and I'd read through all of them and think, oh man, that's a so much better pack than I've got, or a tent, or a sleeping bag, or whatever. And so then I'd start sending away for catalogs, and because uh, there, there weren't any stores in the area that had anything resembling, you know, Kelty packs, or North Face down bags, or something like that. And uh, that, that's kind of what, what fueled it. Every time a new catalog would show up in the mail, it was this new ticket to uh, a world that was far beyond what what I could live at the time.
0: Right. It's interesting, Bruce. Bruce and I talked a little bit about just the power of catalogs, right? And yeah, just, just really the impact that they had. You know, throughout your life as well. It's just. I, and I don't know, they they definitely don't have the same impact that they, they used to. Things have changed, you know, drastically since then. But but interesting to hear your perspective, just the value and the importance, the knowledge sharing, right? Like that was your access it, yeah, to, to everything, right? Right.
1: Ex- exactly. It, it was. And then you know, I mean, catalogs in general back then were, were such a thing. I mean, and, you know, when, when you're younger, you know, you'd wait for like the Sears Christmas catalog Mm -hmm. to come out because there'd be all these toys in there that like, wow, I could get this, you know. Um, And, and so once I started getting into uh, uh, camping, you know, this was, um, uh, this was a world that just, you know, you'd, did bring these, uh, items into your, into your house was, you know, by, you know, I mean, today you would look at them on the web, but, but back then it was a, a paper print catalog that would come out a couple of times a year. Um, and then I, I had an older brother, uh, who lived in, Oregon for a while. And while he was there, uh, you know, did some backpacking and climbing, and he moved home for a summer. And you know, he comes home with a Kelty Tioga pack and a down bag, and you're like, "Oh my god!" It's like this is actually real gear, you know. And uh, yeah, so it, it just all—it's like you know, throwing gas on a fire. It was just great stuff.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit, kind of the state of growing up and the access that you had or maybe lack of access what what was your thoughts of the industry at that time I I guess in your world maybe outdoor gear was just it was like low quality or not very good until you started to discover these brands but at at that period of time what, what was kind of the state of the industry from your perspective
1: um yeah you know it was uh You know, names that are still around, but at the time were were a little more larger than life because they were maybe less uh, consumer products than they are now. Um, You know, Kelty packs were like if you needed an external frame pack, that was the one to buy. Um, uh, Low Alpine for an internal frame pack, you know, North Face Sierra Designs for tents and down gear. uh, you know, largely those, those companies, you know, you'd, REI would have the big, the big catalog, EMS would have the big catalog, um, you know, and then, and then there would be the niche stuff that would come along that, you know, unless you had a, uh, uh, unless you had a, um, uh, like a subscription to Backpacker or something like that. There are you know countless brands you would just never have heard of before. Um, you know, Rivendell Mountain Works or you know Banana, um, you know, Gore-Tex Clothing. Um, got a little more niche players like that.
0: Right. It, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but it seemed like at that time when you did find one of these good brands, like the product was made to perform right or it was made to, to be used right whereas it seems like a lot of these companies that we now know you know they're kind of dabbling in the lifestyle and the performance right everything's kind of shifted right. towards lifestyle right
1: a, a lot of a lot of gear today is essentially disposable Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if if you, uh, blow a zipper on something, you know, it may cost more to repair the zipper than the garment is worth, especially Mm -hmm. if you find it, um, you know, on some super discounted website, uh, you know, you you pick up older stuff and it's certainly heavier, but you know, you'll never wear it out. It's, it's not, it, you know, you're never going to blow a seam. You're never going to blow a zipper and you're never going to wear it out. So, you know, you put up with a little bit of, of weight, but the durability is unbelievable.
0: Right. And we're going to get into that a little bit, kind of why, why the older stuff and what you like about it and and maybe compare and contrast. Um, but maybe going back a little bit, you uh, what is it about gear for you? You know, I, I get, you know, the love of the outdoors and, but what is it about products and, you know, and what is it that keeps people coming back to objects? Right. I've got some thoughts, but I'd love to hear uh, okay. from your perspective. What is it about these, these things that you, that we have, right. That, that keeps you back and, and keeps you collecting them.
1: Yeah, that's, it's a good question. And I've, I've asked myself that a number of times. I, um, I've actually kind of stopped actively collecting. Um, I, I say that up until the point where something catches my eye and I think, well, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah. I've got room for, I've got, you know, there's always room in the, in the room for one more pack. Right. Um, so I, I've kind of stopped actively collecting, but, um, uh, but I still look, you know, and, and the look is uh, temptation. So, um, uh, on the other hand, I have, at this point, kind of most of what I can think of that I might want. Uh, but uh, that, that comes with, uh, you know, I've, I've done it a long time. I never really started out as a, a general goal of, of going out and collecting anything. It just kind of happened. Um, you know, I was very content with what I had and then eBay came along and it's like, oh, <laughs> here's this thing I've always at least wanted to look at, if nothing else. And so if I buy it, I can look at it and maybe play with it a little.
0: Yeah, sure. So so what is it about bags in particular that, that's drawn you to, you know, we'll get into, you know, what you have in the collection, but what's drawn you to bags in particular?
1: You know, I don't really know. I, I mean, more so than, um, you know, say tents or sleeping bags or whatever. Um, I've just, I've always liked the bags. I mean, you know, different sizes, shapes will be better suited for one task versus another. And um, I, I can't, I, I can't put my, my finger on it and say this is the one the one thing or the two things that that I like about them, I just I just do. You know, I I use them frequently for a variety of things, whether it's just carrying crap around every day or or going on a day hike or, um, you know, bike bags because I'm out uh, riding my bike and, and bringing stuff along.
0: Well, I I think it's interesting because you're not alone in that regard, and and I think that's what why I ask is is you have whole websites, which I know you've been interviewed by websites like cariology right? Right. Uh, these, th- there's other people out there who are just obsessed with this question of, you know, bags and, and like why bags and, and people who just geek out of the, over that. It's, it's, it's fun that we live in a time where you can find other people like that, who, who care about yeah, them yeah. As, mu- as much as you do. But
1: yeah, it makes me feel normal. <laughs> though I don't know that that's, uh, accurate.
0: Yeah. Or at least maybe not alone, right? Maybe not normal, but yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. At least I'm not alone. Ah.
0: Mm. So, you know, kind of, um, kind of along those lines, maybe we'll go back. Um, what was your first bag that really like made an impression on you or or maybe that first piece of, maybe it was a good impression, bad impression. What was that first bag for you?
1: Yeah. So, um, the first, uh well i bought a a day pack in high school that was made by jerry um and that i still have it um still works uh uh you know it's a classic teardrop two compartment leather bottom uh day pack and uh wool felt shoulder straps um yeah you know and and used that for years carrying uh books to school that kind of thing um and you know so that was just a, a very you know reliable uh you know solidly built piece of uh of gear um you know for a long time i didn't have any money so you know it's um i i couldn't i couldn't really afford what i wanted you know um in college i bought a uh, camp trails internal frame pack um this would have been the uh early to Um, mid-80s, and it was was part of their wolf pack series, you know, it was kind of a poor man's low expedition pack, Um, and, you know, nothing bad to say about that, it, 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 you know, it it did the job. uh you know like i think like a lot of people you know you trade up gear over time you you know if you you can afford something a little nicer a little a little better designed a little better made and so you know I, i i did that i bought a um kelty external frame pack um and uh you know that was good um then I went on a, a Knoll's trip, which was something I had wanted to do forever. In a day, I was thirty at the time, um, and bought one of their. Um, uh, it's a low expedition pack that was uh, designed, kind of tweaked for uh, for what Knowles wanted, um, and so that would have been the uh, mid nineties, um, and that was basically the the pack I had, you know, and it it it's great i mean it uh will still if i it's heavy but if if you need to carry a a heavy a heavy load it will handle it as well as pretty much anything you'd buy today um and and then ebay came along Mm -hmm. you know and and you know ebay got me to buy things i wanted to buy when i was 15 but didn't have any money (laughs) and so Here you could find these things and it's like, oh, what the hell, you know, this uh, this wilderness experience backpack is is in good shape and it will still work well. And I've always wanted to try it. So therefore I, I can or these hind uh, Snowbridge backpacks or, you know, just pick a brand. Um, and that suddenly I have this room full of gear that uh, like, oh, my God, <laughs> what, a, you know, what have I done?
0: Right. So, so along those lines, what, I guess, what, how many packs do you have in the collection right now? What, what, or, you know, maybe it's, was there a high, like, did you ever have like, you know, what, what was the highest number of packs that you had? Is that what you have currently? How many packs did you have at any given time?
1: I'm sure I've got over 50, but I really don't have any idea. I don't think I have a hundred. Uh, um, uh, but I, I kind of stopped counting once I hit around 50 and just said, well, just leave like
0: lie. <laughs> that? And that's where it gets what, dangerous. What,
1: what's, what's in a number, right? Yeah. That's where it gets yeah, dangerous what's,
0: what's on eBay, it? right? It's what's one more, right? right. You lose track right. of how exactly. many, what's one more?
1: Yeah. So I, exactly. I've, I've got a storage room in the basement of our house. And so, um, I can still close the door on the room. So I'm fine.
0: So um, there's still, there's still room for another couple.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, you know, with, with having 50 or so, I'm sure you have, well, I don't know. Do you have a favorite?
1: Um, well, the, the pack I always wanted the most was a Rivendell Jensen. And um, uh, I had never thought I would actually um, uh, see one because, you know, it was a relatively Um, niche company that went away and, you know, nobody's made packs like that since. And uh, lo and behold, you know, Eric Hardy got it uh, restarted and they're making packs, Um, you know, and they're, they're, they're really, they're, they're intriguing because it's like, art meeting function um it's such a, a unique design you know it's, it's certainly not for everyone but for given the age of the the design it still carries remarkably well and so that was that was the one that was like the most sought after you know and i finally um i finally got one i was just ecstatic to actually have it and use it um, and I've since collected nearly one of everything Rivendell has made. Um, in some cases, originals, in some cases, uh, Eric's modern reproductions. Um, and the, the only one that I don't have is toward the end of their run, they made a pack bag that they mounted on an Elpen light external frame. And, uh. If I ever see one of those, we'll just snatch that right up.
0: <laughs> well, I,
1: I, doubt, I doubt they made many. I mean that, that you know, you take you take a niche company and an even more obscure pack. So there probably are not a lot of them in existence.
0: Right, sure. Um I, I think I like what you said. Um I don't know, seeing some of these products like almost like art in a way. Um you know, that just the craftsmanship and care that goes into some of these older products, like you can feel it, right? Like you can, yeah, exactly. um, I, you know, and I'm not an extreme user by any means, you know, I, I work in this industry. I love it. Um, I I'm not an extremist by, by any means, but, uh, I think that's what attracts me to products in a lot of ways is, I don't know, there's just artistry involved. And, and I think that's what's attracting me more and more to some of these older brands is there's just, another level of craftsmanship and especially with the Rivendell products, I've really been diving deep into, into that history and and learning a lot. And there's just a level, an extra level of care that goes into that that maybe comes across and maybe that's what keeps us coming back. I don't want to speak for you, but it's what keeps me coming back.
1: I've often been a fan of really well-made things, regardless of what it is. I mean, you can just go to a, Uh, a craft store and and, you know some things you pick up and you don't even know what they do but they just reek of quality because they're so well made um and and there are products like that you know Rivendell packs are ones like that you just pick it up and it just feels solid um uh, I at at one point in time, I had a Rivendell bomb shelter tent, uh, which I, I passed on to to someone else because living in the Midwest is really not the ideal use of uh, of a bomb shelter, and it, it is unworldly the quality that was in that thing. I mean, my God, um, you would have no problem at all pitching that in the worst weather anywhere on the planet the size might make you crazy because it's pretty small but but that thing was the rock of gibraltar when you uh, Mm. pitched it tight the only thing i have that would compare is i've got a couple of moss domes that that would be you know similar quality but um you know this was all you know made one at a time, by one sewer, You know the the reinforcement on it is unbelievable. The the stitching quality is unbelievable. It, it's a remarkable piece of equipment.
0: Right. Uh, kind of going back to that that question of of having a favorite. Maybe you know that probably wasn't a fair question. Do you have certain bags that you love uh, for certain uses? You know, just daily carry versus you know going out on a multi-day hike or a day hike, I guess maybe you could break it down that way. Do you have favorites for certain activities?
1: Um, Yeah. So I've been using um, for uh, daily uh, commute type uh, activities. Um, It's actually a, a Rivendell day pack that I have. Um, Day hiking, I've got, and this is, is a modern pack, it's not it's not vintage, but there's a, a local guy named Dan Cook who owns a company called Cook Custom Sewing uh, that, that makes a, a great, uh, it's a top-loading day pack that I use. Um, multi-day hikes, I, I don't know that I have a, a favorite. I, I um, I've decided I'm just going to keep using a different one for each trip. So last year I used uh wilderness experience Quicksilver. A um, couple of years ago, I used a Heinz Snowbridge Cerex. Um, I've used my Rivendell Panks. Uh The next trip I go on, assuming COVID allows us to go out again this year, uh, I've, I've got a, a North Face Marine that I've got uh, slated to go um, so I'm just kind of, uh, I, I want to try and get as many different, um, y- you know, overnight, uh, multi-day trips with, uh, as many different packs as I can, just, just because, just because I've got them.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. I that that's kind of my next question is do they all get some use throughout the year?
1: Um, well, no, cause I, I don't get out as much as I would like to. Yeah. Um, you know, and when I go out in winter, I haul my gear on a pulk, Um, so I don't, I don't use a pack in, in the winter. Um, and, uh, you know, summertime, I'm usually only getting in about one trip. Uh, so generally it's just kind of alternate one to another and, you know, eventually I'll retire and hopefully can, uh, can take more trips, um, each year and, and, uh, you know, just keep Keep alternating ones, and and I may find you know a a very favorite. Never go into anything else. Uh, uh, pack in the bunch. I I don't know.
0: Right. Um. Have Have you been surprised at the interest that people have in in your story? Like you know when a cariology reaches out to you, uh, you know what kind of a response have you had when when people have started hearing about your collection and you know, it, how do you feel when, when someone reaches out to you uh, to, to talk to you about the collection? What does that mean to you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that they don't think I'm completely nuts, uh, with, you know, which my wife might argue with, but uh, you know, it, it's, it is kind of, I, I'm, I'm somewhat amused by it more than anything else. I'm amused that there are uh, more people in the world that um, that care about this stuff. Um, I had this uh, young guy um, who was in college reach out to me looking for advice on buying a vintage pack. Um, he had watched the movie and read the book um, Into the Wild. And in the movie, there was... Um, a, a, the pack that the main character was using and, um, was wondering if I could help him track down something that looked close to it. And, uh, I actually came remarkably, uh, uh, close to it. You know, if it wasn't the pack, the guy had in the movie, it was a, a close approximation of it. So mm. uh, that was rather funny, but
0: yeah, that, that is interesting. You know, um, you probably never thought you'd be that resource for people, right? Almost. A right. Not in the least. Yeah. 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 But that kind of leads me into my next question. Did, I mean, you probably never, I, when did you, I don't know, do you see yourself as a historian or archivist of the outdoors or is that a label that we're giving to you? Yeah.
1: I, I think it's more the latter. I, I really, you know, for me, it's just a hobby. Um, You know, uh, uh, Camping in in whatever form has always been my favorite hobby, whether it's backpacking, whether it's canoe tripping, whether it's uh, snowshoe treks, bike touring, whatever it might be. Um, So that that's been my number one hobby since, you know, junior high. Um, And and so it's it's just been a lifelong hobby. some parts of it just feed into that uh you know pack collecting i I probably wouldn't have ever collected packs had it not been that ebay came along and just made it easy to do Mm -hmm. um possibly you know if i had gone to some thrift stores and found one i would probably picked it up um you know if i would have seen a rivendell in a um thrift store i would have knocked somebody down to get it but uh not, not that I'm proud of that but I would um <laughs> and, and, and uh, uh you know and catalogs as I've said I've always just um I've just always loved printed catalogs you know so I had thrown out all of the ones I had gotten when I was younger and so I've effectively bought them all back on on eBay now um and then some but you know it is it is cool it's fun having that reference point it's also fun to have um uh um you know if you like see a pack on ebay you know to um it's like oh i've got that in a catalog somewhere i can go look it up and and see if i'm interested in, in bidding on it
0: right yeah, totally. Well, you know, I've got a few alerts on eBay myself, so you're not alone there. I've got alerts <laughs> okay. for cer- certain things, so. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: you know, the I, I wanted to bring you into this conversation um because of, you know, whether you call yourself a historian or archivist of, of gear or not, um I'm going to um Okay. <laughs> but that's that, you know, our interest is is preserving gear history. Um, you know, because we have this outdoor product design and development program, we want students to be able to appreciate good gear and, and the heritage of the industry. And, you know, why do you, you know, whether you call yourself that or give yourself that title or not, you know, do you see an importance in preserving and protecting these items, but also making sure that you appreciate them? You know, you, you could probably go to the extreme and preserve them and keep them behind glass. But, um, you seem to have found a way to do both, right? You're, you're archiving them, you're preserving them, but you still get out and, and appreciate them and and love them. You have some thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. I don't, for me personally, I don't want to collect things I can't use, um, or, or buy them only to collect them. I, you know, if I, uh, if I were to find a, a pack that I would otherwise be interested in that, you know, has got, pieces missing needs a great deal of repair i'm probably not going to go and pick it up for the sake of you know just some preservation um Mm -hmm. i I actually want to be able to you know take the pack off the wall fill it up and and you know go, go put some miles on it so you know for me i've just gotten to a point of I'm just using gear I like to use. you know there there may come a day where I'm older and and I need to go to lighter gear just because I can't carry it. you know um, you know if I need to shed ten pounds um, because I'm you know ten years older than I am now or something, you know i'll I'll go to that point, but in the in the meantime, I just use what I use because it's fun and it makes me happy
0: right that's Uh, it's
1: it's, it's why it's why i'm going out and doing what i'm doing is i I enjoy it it makes me happy and you know you know some people like old cars some people like old stereos i i like old packs
0: yeah i think the founders the original creators would be happy to hear that right that that these products are living on right and they're still getting love and appreciation and and they're still helping people get outside um you know, maybe putting that history hat on a little bit, um, in your mind, you know, what are the most kind of the influential packs or the influential pack makers, um, just from your experience, you know, who, who did it the right way, who, you know, who, um, who has created that lasting impact for you, um, which pack makers, which, which brands, which models?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, for external frame packs, you know, it would be basically Kelty and Jansport. Um, I don't have any, uh, any, any experience with um, Trailwise packs, um, which, you know, going back to the Colin Fletcher days and, and the Complete Walker, um, uh, I, you know, I've just never had one. Um, I don't even know that I've ever seen one, um, you know, an actual one outside of a picture somewhere. Um, so they were they were always kind of that um state of the art in in my you know growing up um you know uh internal frame packs you know would be like low uh gregory um you know and then dana gleason came in and and uh just kind of raised the the bar quite a bit um you know i always uh um I always wanted packs by Heinz Snowbridge, um, and I've, I've since collected a number of them. Um, and, uh, you know, have used some of those on, on trips. Um, uh, Wilderness Experience made great packs. Uh, Synergy Works made great packs. Um, you know, Rivendell, who I've, who I've mentioned, um, Yeah. I mean, they were, they were all good. It's not as if you picked up one of those and you'd say, Oh boy, this pack sucks. You know, they're, they're just, they're all good. Um, And it's just a matter of preference really. You know, if, uh, you know, if you, if you don't like a panel opening pack, you know, a Jan Sport's probably not the one you wanted. Um, You know, if you, don't like uh an external frame you know you probably shouldn't get a Kelty or a Sport external frame but um you know whatever it, it's just uh it's all kind of different strokes but um you know those are those are kind of my favorites i guess
0: right um what do you think are some of the major progressions or evolution of of packs over time and um you know you alluded to this a little bit from a durability perspective um you know what what do you think some of the main differences are in in you know past packs to all the packs that you see now you know you know i guess i guess you could probably say materials are probably some of the biggest biggest changes but you know what are the main changes that you see and um between some of these classic packs and new products
1: yeah so good question um I mean, new new products are, are definitely lighter. Um, uh, some features are are notably better. I mean, the way that uh, shoulder straps are contoured, for example, um, you know, today's are are much better than older ones. Um, a lot of a lot of the pack suspension parts um, are really unchanged since the 70s i mean when you think about it it's they're more alike than they're different you've got padded shoulder straps you've got a padded hip belt you've got a sternum strap you've got load lifter straps i mean all of those things existed uh before 1980 so none of that is is revolutionary um all along you've had you know external frames internal frames soft packs None of that is new. It's really just um, tweaking the design and um, and and mostly uh, material—you know, lighter, lighter weight materials. Um, and and some of it's good, some of it's bad. In in terms of. Um, my my pet peeve is zippers. You know, I'm always looking at what what's the thing that's going to break, um, and and zippers are one of them. A lot of really light packs use really light zippers, and you know, you pick them up, and it's like this is just a problem that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, and more likely than not, it'll be at an inconvenient time because that's how the world is. Um, so. The other thing is that um, a lot of packs have zippers everywhere now. There's a million little compartments. And if the compartment opening is not large enough to put my hand in there and actually grab what I'm looking for, it just drives me nuts. And so I want not a lot of pockets. With a decent zipper and the pockets large enough to put my hand in, so I can actually fish out what I'm looking for, rather than having to jam two fingers in and and try and fish around for something in the dark. So that's that's my my pet peeve on on design.
0: Well, it seems like you know some brands, some designers, they want to pack something full of features because that's what yes, they think yes. adds value, right? But that's not exactly. necessarily yeah. the case
1: and and you know and, and cheap sewing uh, uh, cheap, not necessarily um unskilled but but just inexpensive um, uh, third world manufacturing makes it possible to cram all these features in and uh, and put them at a price point that's designed uh, to attract people so I understand the way in which it's done and the, and the marketing reason why it's done, but it's just not something that, that appeals to me. Um, you know, you could look at a pack by uh, uh, um, Alpine Ludites, for example. He's making custom packs, and he just moved to Vermont. But, uh, you know, those, those are simply outstanding. I mean, they're um, high-end, remarkably well-made, uh, brilliant design uh simple features um not gonna fall apart on you uh you know that if i were if i were looking for a a modern pack for some reason you know i would tend to go down that line of finding a uh more of a a niche maker to make something specific that that i know is going to last and, and doesn't have a lot of weird bells and whistles that I don't necessarily want and probably will never use.
0: Right. I was going to, that was kind of my next question is, who are some of these small pack makers that are making stuff here in the U.S. that that you recommend? Rivendell still going strong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Albeit in, in a different location, right? Used to be in Victor, Idaho, now kind of sold and and is up, well, I mean the last few, few years yeah, yeah. been up in Washington, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oddly enough, they, they originated in Washington back in the day, moved to Idaho and, and have now, uh, reformed in Washington. So.
0: Right. Who else everything. do you recommend?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, for a, a modern, uh, design, more technical type of pack, I, I would easily go Alpine Luddites. Um, uh, I don't know of too many others. Um, you know, Dan Cook, who I mentioned, uh primarily makes uh bags for um uh uh, canoe tripping. Um and he actually lives just a few miles from me. His his work is outstanding. Uh, you know, just one guy sewing it in his basement. Um, excellent, uh excellent design, no frills, never gonna fall apart. Um, you know i i love the stuff that he's got um and i am not i'm not aware of of others um uh, that doesn't mean they're not out there It's just that that's kind of my knowledge base of of modern stuff i mean um if i were to buy a pack you know a a modern haul or really big heavy load pack i'd probably go with mystery ranch mm-hmm. um yeah you know which is uh you know, right there. Uh, in fact, um, John from Alpine Luddites learned how to sew while working for Dana back in the Dana Designs uh, era.
0: So, oh, wow. Well, um, pedigreed. Yeah, sure. And it seems like that's common, right? There's this pedigree of, you know, there's the great gear makers, and, and you have few people who learn from them who continue that legacy on. Um, right. Let's see. Do you. Do you happen to know anyone else who's, who's collecting or, or who has a collection, you know, maybe similar to yours? Is there anyone else else out there that that's kind of doing what you're doing?
1: I, um, actually I, I really don't, um, uh, you know, so Bruce Johnson, uh, you know, who you, who you've talked to and and know is, uh, you, you know, doing a lot of work preserving history. I don't know that he necessarily collects any thing uh, bruce has kind of an australian counterpart named warren mclaurin who uh i don't know if you're a, a familiar with his website or not mm-hmm. but um yeah you should you should check it out it's called compass i i can send you the the email link um and i, I don't know how large his collection is um you know, John Campbell at Alpine Ludites has a, a collection of kind of vintage uh, uh, packs of some sort. Um, uh, I know of a guy in England who has quite a collection of old Caramore packs. Um, but that that's about it as far as anyone I can think of.
0: Yeah, it seems like there's pockets here and there. But,
1: right, um, right.
0: You mentioned this a little bit before, but you know, kind of one of my last questions is what are you still on the hunt for? And you mentioned, mentioned this a little bit, but anything else?
1: Uh, I have a little bit of seller's regret on a Jansport Alpine Phantom. Um, I, I I bought one on eBay and I'm like, I'll never use this. And so I sold it and every so often I get that twinge of regret. So, Uh, If I ever see another one, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a hit on that. Um, But there, there really aren't too many out there that I, there's nothing out there that I really want that I don't have. Um, You know, if I, if I saw a, a, a Rivendell Jensen clone, and I mean, that design was copied by just literally everybody. Um, you know, I, I would, uh, I would be interested in that, um, I have, you know, maybe a dozen variations of that, you know, from, from different makers, um, you know, and, uh, uh that, that would, that would, that would, you know, tweak my interest. Um, but, uh, there's nothing really beyond that, that I'm, that I'm desperately, you know, looking for. Right. You know, well, after a certain point, I can have everything that I, that I want.
0: Yeah. Well, any other thoughts that you have? I, you know, I don't want to take more of your time, but um, any other thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with regarding packs and, and, you know, or, or your background, anything we missed?
1: Um. No, I, I, um, I've, I've been very excited to hear about, you know, what you're doing in terms of your design program, uh, what you're doing in terms of archiving history. Um, I think, it, you know, for a lot of these companies, um, they don't have much history on their website. Uh, a lot of them probably, you know, like all of us, we're, we're too busy in the moment to think about, the, the, um, you know, what's what's gone on in the past. And, you know, when you think about, you know, this is an industry that's about two generations old. Uh, you know, essentially post World War II, and and it kind of you know really really took hold in the in the '70s after getting its start in the you know '50s and '60s, and uh, so it, it's fairly young. and And I find the the history of it really pretty interesting. Um, just how it it was this. You know little cluster of companies that that grew up um, you know if you look at just small pockets of it say the San Francisco Bay area you know there was Trailwise and from Trailwise sprouts you know the North Face and Sierra Designs and Class 5 and Snow Lion and probably more I, I don't know of or or the the Boulder Colorado I area, you know, which had you know so many other great names, you know, Jerry, Hollybar, Alpine Designs, Frostline, Hind Snowbridge, mm-hmm. uh, Low Alpine, you know, it, it's just amazing how how all of these little centers of activity just kind of sprouted and and you know became these much larger, more sophisticated uh companies that you know we kind of take for granted now but you know back in the day it was you know a couple people sketching out packs and and sewing them up and tweaking the design and starting all over again um it it was it was a a very sort of classic bootstrap industry of of figuring it out putting it together and 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 then it caught fire i just think it's a great story
0: well, you know that's that's the story we want to tell and and document and, and and I think, kind of going back to you know whether you're an archivist or not, i I like to think that everyone is right everyone is is archi- or has the potential to archive their own history or you know the history of the world around them and and sometimes when you're in the middle of it, um, especially in, a, in an industry that that appears to be young maybe you don't see your place in it or you don't recognize what you're doing as, as influential or significant. I mean, there's plenty of founders um, of of some of these outdoor companies. Jerry in particular, Bruce mentioned this, that, you know, he kind of didn't necessarily see himself as this outdoor gear pioneer. Right. Um, so right. I, I think that's common in our industry where it's, it's not as old as we think it is. Um, and you know, maybe we just don't see our place in it or or see the significance but it is so that's that's all we're trying to do is is bring that history to the forefront and and help people recognize the significance
1: yeah that's great
0: well i i appreciate you taking time if if people do have questions for you or or want to connect um you know with you what, what's the best way to do that
1: uh, um i you know Facebook email, whatever,
0: yeah um, I know the instagram's yeah. been helpful that's that's kind of where we connected,
1: yeah, 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 um, instagram uh, I don't remember if there's an email link to um, that carryology article okay. uh, that you mentioned i I don't, but um yeah if you if you google it, you'll find me on Facebook, send me a message. Um, or I'm or I'm Otis the camper on uh on Instagram so
0: do you want is me is up. there any background to that name the origin of Otis
1: um <laughs> uh, well yeah when i uh was setting up my uh um, uh eBay account way back when um, I was going. I was trying to put in um, Otis Campbell, who was the drunk on the Andy Griffith show, oh. and that was all. That was already taken. So that was the next thing that popped <laughs> into my mind was Otis the camper. So there's there's nothing any 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 deeper than that. But, uh, Otis was my favorite character on the, on the TV show. Oh, so. that's
0: great. Well, we'll, we'll yeah. include links to that and, and how to contact okay. you in the, in the show notes and, and description. But, um, Alan, thanks for taking time. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I've learned a lot from you and appreciate you being willing to share your experience and your background.
1: Yeah, no, I, this has been, this has been great. If I, uh, if I ever get out your way, I'm definitely going to stop in.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, no, anytime, anytime you're out, out this way, we'd love to have you. All right. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found on Highlanderbag.com and each Sunday at 4 PM on Aggie radio, 92.3
1: FM in Cash Valley.